0: Thanks for checking out the Awaken Church podcast. Awaken Church messages are brought to you by our generous givers and partners. You can always learn more about the vision or give financially to support the work God is doing here at Awaken by visiting our website, awakenchurch.cc. If you can't make one of our weekly worship services, you can always watch online by going to our website and clicking on the watch tab. And now, wherever you're joining us from, thanks for listening, and we hope this message encourages you. We're we'll going to go ahead and jump in the Bible here, Mark chapter 8, verse 34. I got a lot of scripture to read to you. An old preacher told me one time when I was growing up, when you preach, uh, if you just give giving the Bible on the front end, if you don't say anything good, the rest of the message, at least people got the word of God, all right? So we're going to get some reading in if you had not read all week. So we'll get it done all right now. Mark chapter 8, picking up in verse 34, it says, And calling to the crowd to him with his disciples, he said to them, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever would save his life will lose it. For whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospels will save it. For what does it profit a man to gain the whole world and forfeit his soul? Now we're going to go over, and this is where we're going to get the reading in, in John chapter 4, picking up in verse 4. Jesus, a popular encounter with a woman at a well, picking up in verse 4, it says, And he had to pass through Samaria. The water that I will give him will become in him a spring of water welling up to eternal life. The woman said to him, Sir, give me this water so that I will not be thirsty or have to come here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Great, go call your husband and come here. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said, You're right in saying I have no husband. For you have had five husbands and the one, and the one you now have is not your husband. What you have said is true. The woman said to him, Sir, I perceive you that you are a prophet. Our fathers worship on this mountain, but you say that in Jerusalem is the place where people ought to worship. Jesus said to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem will you worship the father. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship the father in spirit and truth. For the father is seeking such people to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to him, I know the Messiah is coming. He was called Christ. When he comes, he will tell us all things. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am he. Woo! Got your reading in for the week, right? I want to continue uh, a series we've been in, Jesus Is, in the last couple of weeks, week one, we talked about Jesus is your friend last week. Uh, you heard Jesus is grace. And today, what I want to continue and talk about is that I believe Jesus is the point. That's the title of the message today, Jesus is the Point. And so if I've not had the chance to meet you, my name is Tevin Sims. I'm the Charleston campus pastor here, and I'm extremely grateful to continue week three of this series. It's been amazing. If you have missed out, I encourage you to go back to our YouTube channel. Go check it out on podcasts, wherever uh, you listen to your podcast. You can go check it out and catch up the last two weeks. It's been great. So I believe that Jesus is the point. I believe that, like you heard Pastor Brandon say, that I believe we're searching for things. Maybe we are pursuing things, and we think that it's going to fulfill us, give us meaning, give us purpose in this life. But what I want to do is I want to really put before you that I think Jesus can only give us true meaning, can only give us real purpose in this life. So we're going to look at this passage a little bit more in John chapter 4, a popular encounter that Jesus has with this woman at a well. And I believe when we see this encounter and we read it, I believe we'll actually see how this woman found true meaning in life in the person of Jesus. So will you pray with me? God, thank you so much for what we get to be a part of. I pray in these moments as your word has been opened, that your word would take root in our hearts. That it would change us from the inside out. Jesus, hide me behind the cross. Just use me in this moment to proclaim your good news, to tell your story. God, we love you. We thank you. It's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So I recently heard a story this week about a man named Lawn Chair Larry, all right? Larry Walters, a.k.a. Lawn Chair Larry, maybe you've heard about this. He had a dream to fly. He had a dream to fly, and he had been told early on in his life that he had poor eyesight, so he would never be a pilot. So what does Larry do? Larry takes matters into his own hands, right? He had a dream, and in July of 1982, Larry took flight. Now, he didn't fly a plane, he didn't fly a helicopter, he didn't even really jump really high in the air, but he took flight. And what he did, and we got pictures behind me here in a second, he took his aluminum chair, he got 45 helium weather balloons, he strapped onto his chair. As you can see, he's got water jugs that'll help him on his descent. He had a CB station, he had a pack of soda, he had a camera, he passed some sandwiches, he had a parachute. He had a camera, he was ready to take flight with the help of his friends, with the help of his girlfriend at the time. He thought about this plan, he's gonna take flight. And what Larry did not know is with 45 helium weather balloons, right? Balloons that are filled up with helium, he thought he would ascend to about 30 feet. And he would just kinda glide over the neighborhood, get a different perspective on life. Well, as soon as they cut the rope, Larry shot up in the air, right? He shot up in the air, and he went well past 30 feet. He ended up at 16,000 feet. Yeah. He ended up at—this is a true story, I promise. He ended up at 16,000 feet. This is not going according to plan, all right? Larry's starting to freak out a little bit. He's talking to his girlfriend using the CB station that he has. He had a BB gun. I forgot that. He had a BB gun that his plan was if, you know, when he was ready to come down, he would shoot some of the balloons down to start his descent, all right? Well, at 16,000 feet, he's like, I can't do this. Like, what if it throws me off balance? It's going to throw me out of the chair. He ended up, for 45 minutes, he's in the air, 16,000 feet. And they say at this this time of day in July, 16,000 feet is about five degrees. So he's starting to go numb. He can't feel his arms. He can't feel his legs. He's freaking out. His girlfriend's mad at him. He's now flying. He's now flying towards LAX, which in 1982 was still a pretty busy airport, right? He's now in airspace near the airport in Los Angeles and now pilots and other commercial flights have spotted him the tower has spotted him they're talking to him on the CB hey man you got to get down right this is illegal and so he finally works up the courage and he shoots some balloons down enough before he drops his gun yeah he dropped it but he shot enough balloons down to where he was slowly start his descent and he ended up running to a power line not to power out for 20 minutes he was safe He landed safely, as you could tell, police, everybody. He's arrested, and I debated if I should say this part. They only fined him $1,500. So I guess there wasn't, like, a law at that time. Like, you can't just, like, take your chair, right, and just go for a flight. So all that to say, please, especially youth in the room, don't try this at home, okay? Don't try this at home. Larry would go on, and he would talk on some late-night television shows, and people would actually book him to be a motivational speaker and they asked him Larry why did you do this and Larry said I had this dream for 20 years and if I had not done this I would have ended up in the funny house that's literally what he said but when you read the story more and more you realize that this is his biggest dream that he had in his life and he accomplished it I'm sure it was a thrill but Larry was still empty on the inside He was still empty on the inside and it didn't fulfill him, didn't give him true meaning and purpose like he was hoping for. And I tell you that story because I believe, like I said, Jesus is the point of our lives. And I believe that we can relate to Larry in a lot of ways, that we're chasing things, we're pursuing things. If I asked you today, what is the greatest desire in your heart? What would you say? Like if you could have anything that you could ever want, if you could be anything that you wanted to be, if you could do whatever you wanted to do. What would you say? What's the greatest desire in your heart? And if I took all the answers in this room and we put them on the screen behind me, I would question, does it add up to the meaning of life? Probably not. Probably not. King Solomon, who outside the person of Jesus is the wisest man to ever live in in this world. He writes in the book of Ecclesiastes, he says that all these things in life, the things that we have accumulate, the education it's all vain or meaningless or empty. And you and you hear that and you're like, oh, what is, wait a second, King Solomon. You're saying all these things are bad, like they're empty, they're meaningless. We got to understand who King Solomon was. See, King Solomon, he, he would have reached the pinnacle of fame. He would have reached the pinnacle of wealth and he had all the education. He had multiple wives. He would have had everything that you ever wanted in this life and then some more. He would have been equivalent to our modern day Elon Musk, right? Shout out to the SpaceX. Did y'all see it? I saw it. It was pretty cool. Right. King Solomon reached heights that none of us will ever reach. He realizes something. and He says all the things, everything that I've obtained, all the education, it's all meaningless. It's not add up to the purpose and the meaning of life. Now, today, I don't want to sound depressing like a lot of the Ecclesiastes does. It sounds pretty depressing if you read through it. But I believe we have hope. See, King Solomon didn't know Jesus. But we have hope because we we can find true meaning and purpose in this life in the person of Jesus, amen? And so today, when we look at this encounter, I believe, like I said, we can find true meaning, true purpose in the person of Jesus, just like this woman in John chapter 4. So John chapter 4 is happening. What's going on in this story, right? It says that, I love how it just starts out in verse 4. It says that Jesus had to go through Samaria. Jesus was clearly on a mission. This is a big deal because to go where they were going, you avoided that area of Samaria. Jews did not go to that part of the country, right? They would actually would have gone around the long way to get where they were going. But Jesus said, no, we're going to go through Samaria, which shows me that Jesus had a divine appointment with this woman. She didn't know it, but Jesus knew it. It says that what Jesus gets to the well and the disciples are now in the town getting some food and Jesus is hanging out by this well and this woman shows up at the well right? She shows up at the well and says it's the sixth hour of the day, about noon. It's the hottest part of the day. And I ask myself, why would this woman be at the well at this time of the day? We clearly know she's got a past. Can you imagine maybe why she would want to avoid people? Can you imagine maybe the looks that she would have gotten if she was seen out with others? Can you imagine what other people may have said about her? Can you imagine how maybe she's been overlooked? People typically would go to the well either early in the morning or late in the evening when it was much cooler. But she says, I'm going to go in the middle of the day, the hottest part of the day, just to avoid people so I can just get some water and get back home. And then she runs into Jesus, right? It's like when you try to go to the store and, like, you just kind of throw on some clothes. You don't look the best. And you're like, I hope I don't see anybody. But then you always, every single time you run into somebody, right? It's like you just threw on an outfit, you got like duck boots on, you got short, you got swimming trunks on and you got an umbrella because Charleston doesn't know which season it is, right? And you're like, oh, shoot, I saw that person from church or I saw that person from work. I didn't, I'm not looking my best, right? This woman is not planning to meet anybody and she meets Jesus. She doesn't know it's Jesus. So they start this conversation. Jesus says, hey, give me a drink. And this shocks her again. Samaritans, Jews did not. Associate with one another. Samaritans were considered to be half-breed. They were half-Jewish, and so pure Jews, full Jews, they actually would look down upon Samaritan people, especially Samaritan women. So she's shocked when Jesus says, "Give me a drink," and she looks at him and says, "Sir, why? Why are you asking me for a drink? Like, you know this is a big no-no in our culture." And Jesus, I love his response. He says, "Hey, if you actually knew who was talking to you, you would have asked me for a drink, and I would have given you living water, right?" Again, let's just put ourselves in her shoes. She doesn't know this is Jesus. We read this and maybe we give characters, we give people in the Bible a hard time. Like, oh my goodness, girl, did you not realize this is the Messiah, this is the Christ? Like, what's wrong with you? You got this sarcasm with him? or like, what's wrong with you, girl? She didn't know it was Jesus. Me and you wouldn't have known that either, all right? And honestly, if I'm being really honest, it sounds like a bad pickup line to me, right? I'll give you living water. Let me just say, single girls in the house today, If a guy hits you with, I'll give you living water on a date," get up and leave. All right? That's a weak pickup line. All right? Fellas, don't be using that. All right? She says, why are you talking to me? Jesus says, I'll give you living water. And she says, "Mm, I bet you will. You don't even have anything to draw this water with. This well is deep. And I love as they engage in this conversation, Jesus says, the the water I'm talking about will be eternal life. And she asked for this water. And then... Jesus flips the script. What does he say? He addresses her search. He addresses her pursuit in life, right? He starts talking about the relationships. He says, okay, if you want this living water, go get your husband. And I'm sure she just sat there and was like, mm, about that. What had happened was, right, I I don't actually have a husband. I love Jesus. He didn't back off. He just pressed in more. He's like, yep, you're right about that. You don't have a husband. You actually have had five husbands, And the guy you're with now, the sixth man, he's just a rebound. He's not even your husband. Y'all just living together, right? What you said is right. You know, and I I believe we can relate to this woman because she's been searching in all the wrong places. She's been searching for meaning in life through relationships. She's been trying to find value. She's been trying to be accepted with these empty relationships with these men five going on six. And I want to ask you today, oh, you might not have five failed marriages, but where are you searching today? Where are you searching? Maybe it's you're searching for value and meaning in this life, maybe you're searching in this career that you have. You work, 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 trying to find value, trying to find meaning, and you're just trying to accomplish and be the most successful in your job, in your career, and, you go home every single day and you still feel empty on the inside. Maybe for you today, you're saying, if I can just get this one thing, if I could just get that car, get this house, more square footage, and I'll actually find purpose and meaning in this life. If I can just accumulate all the education, if I can just be the smartest person around, where are you searching today? We live in a society, especially here in America, where it says build your brand and Get all these things, accumulate all these things, build your wealth, build your fame, your name. And honestly, we, we keep doing this and we're doing this social media and every single year, anxiety and depression is through the roof and we're getting more leaner in our souls. We got to We got to see this. This woman's been searching. She's been looking for purpose, looking for meaning in this life. And these relationships. Haven't been doing it not cutting it. She's looking in all the wrong places. It's like a couple weeks ago, Shelby and I, my wife, we were in the grocery store. And, you know, I like to think I I know my way around the grocery store. I'm like an in and out, try to time myself how fast I can get in, how fast I can get out. And she asked for, told me to go get cream cheese. And I thought, you know, again, grocery stores, they switch it up like every couple months, right? So I walk in, hair's teeter. And... I'm going to get cream cheese. And I thought, you know, it's got cheese in it. It would be right with all the other cheese, you know, your sliced cheese, your shredded cheese. I, at least I thought, right. And Shelby's like looking at me. I'm just looking at the fridge. I'm like, I don't see it. I babe, I don't see it. She's like, cause it's not going to be here. It's going to be in the dairy section. You know, it's like, what are we doing here? Right. Searching in all the, and the last thing I want to do is ask for help. Right. She caught me and like, I'm searching in all the wrong places, and if you today knew that cream cheese was in the dairy section, ooh, good for you, right? (laughs) Like, I didn't know that, okay? So, I was searching in all the wrong places, and Shelby came along and said, you're you're looking in the wrong spot. You got to go over here to find it. You got to go over here to find it. This woman, she's had five failed marriages, five relationships with men that have failed. The sixth man is not working. But five, six, the seventh man. Something special about seven in the Bible. Seventh man that's coming into her life. Seven is the number of completion. Seven seven's about to change everything. Jesus is about to change everything in this woman's life. And I love what she does. She, like most of us would do, we get uncomfortable. What do we do? We change the subject. I don't know about this, but what I do know, let's just change the subject, Jesus. And I love when she changed the subject. Jesus didn't like, hey, let, no, let's go back to the husbands. Jesus is willing to go and take a detour with her. She changes the subject and says, hey, well, traditionally, uh, my ancestors say that we worship on this mountain. But you Jews say true worship happens in Jerusalem. What she's basically saying, and I don't have the time today to go into great detail, but what she's asking is, hey, my ancestors just said to find God, I must worship on this mountain. But you Jews say to find God, I got to go to Jerusalem. So where can I find God? Where can I find God? I believe people are still asking that question today. Where can I find God? Do I got to clean myself up? Do I got to show up at some church service? Do I got to do all the right things before I can meet with God? She asked Jesus this question and you got to understand what she's asking because, again, she's Samaritan. She's half Jew. So she would have known a little bit of the tradition of her Jewish people. She would have known in her stories growing up of Abraham and how Abraham would go up Mount Moriah and he would meet God there and he would get ready to sacrifice his son Isaac and on Mount Moriah, God intervened and said, don't sacrifice your son. I'll provide a ram in the thicket. He met with Abraham. And then we know Moses climbed Mount Sinai and God met with Moses and gave him the 10 commandments. And when it says that when Moses came off the mountain, he was shining, his face was shining with the glory of God because he had met with God. The Samaritan history There would have been two mountains, one to the north and one to the south. One of them would represent God's curse, the sin of the Samaritan people. And the other one would represent Mount Gerizim, would represent the blessing of God. And they would build a tabernacle on that mountain and they would say, this is where you find God. This is where we worship God. So this is where this woman is asking, where can I find God? Because what I'm doing right now, I guess I'll never be able to find God because I'm Samaritan. Are you asking that same question today? Where can I find God because I'm so far gone? Where can I find God because I'm in this rut? Where can I find God because things just aren't working out? I feel like I pray. I feel like I try and I try and nothing's happening for me. Where can I find God? And the love Jesus answers her. And he says, hey, there's gonna come a day where neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem, well, you have to worry about worshiping God and trying to find God. No, it's, it's switching. He, I love the switch there. He says, it's no longer about trying to find God, but God is actually seeking those who will worship him. It's switching it. You're no longer looking for God. God is seeking you. Ooh, that's the gospel. He's seeking you and he's seeking me and he's seeking other people in this city. It's not about what can I do? How do I work my way to God? No, God is coming to you. He came to you in the person of Jesus. That's what what Jesus is telling this woman right now. That's what what he's saying. And and she says, okay, she she missed it. She missed it. She's like, yeah, I know all that. Yeah, there's going to come a Messiah. And, you know, when he comes, he'll tell us everything. He'll He'll sort all this out. I love in this moment, she missed it. And Jesus looks at this woman. He had not yet revealed himself as the Messiah. Outside of his disciples. He had not told anyone yet. He chooses this Samaritan woman. To reveal himself. And he says. I who am speaking to you. I am he. I am he. And again that doesn't mean much to us. And we've talked about it before. But it doesn't mean much to us. When we hear I am he. Or I am. But to this Samaritan woman. It would have told her everything she needed to know. That this is God in the flesh. That the Messiah is here. Jesus is the great I am. But what does that mean for us today? What does that mean for us today? In the Gospel of John, Jesus will have seven I am statements explaining to his people who he was. And every single time he made a statement about himself claiming what he is like and the need that he meets. It was always in conjunction with something that happened. It was always in conjunction with a blessing or a miracle. The first one, Jesus says, I am the bread of life. God's people for 40 years would be in the wilderness, and they would depend on God to send manna from heaven. And they would eat on this manna for 40 years. Every single day, God would provide it, and they would eat of this bread. But guess what? They still died. And Jesus says, no, that manna actually is not about the bread that your ancestors had. That manna was just pointing to me because I will be the manna from heaven. I will leave my throne and I will come down here to earth. And that when you feast on me, when you believe in me, that now you will never die. You will have eternal life for God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever shall believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Jesus says, I'm the bread of life. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He gives sight to those who are blind. He can light up the darkest of situations. Are you walking in a dark valley right now? Are you walking through a dark season right now? Jesus can light it up. He's the light of the world. Jesus says, I am the door, which is to say the only way into the kingdom of God, the only way into heaven is through Jesus Christ and him alone. Jesus is the door. He says, I am the good shepherd. In this time, he would have been talking to people who understood what it took to be a shepherd, what it took to be a good shepherd. How you look and you care and you have concern over your sheep. David, the psalmist, he writes in Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. I lack nothing. He is not a God who is, who is distant. He is a God who is near and he sees you. He's with you. He's for you. He's our good shepherd. He'll give us everything that we need. He's a good shepherd. Jesus says that I am the resurrection and the life," which is to say that He holds the keys to death in the grave, that you're never too far gone. There's not a situation that Jesus can't resurrect. There's not a person that He cannot redeem. He's a resurrection, and in him is eternal life. Jesus says that I am the way, the truth and the life. He's the only way to the Father. He's the only way that's going to get us into these pearly gates called heaven. He's the only truth that matters in this life. You and I cannot have our own truth. Truth had to be here before we got here. John says that in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God. And in him, he's full of truth and grace. He's the only truth that's good enough for us. He's the life. And then Jesus says that I am the true vine. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that keeps us. You're not going to beat that sin habit on your own. Jesus is the true vine. He will produce in us everything that we need to follow him. Everything that we need to do this thing called life. Your marriage isn't going to get better on its own. You won't have the power to forgive that person who wronged you years ago. Only in the person of Jesus, he's the true vine. He's the source of life change. He's the only one qualified. He's the only one capable. He's the true vine. Jesus is everything that we're looking for. He's everything that we need. He's everything that we really want in this life. Jesus is the point. He's the point. He's the point. Jesus will say, come all, come all to me, all who are weary and heavy burdened, and I'll give you a real rest. What is he saying here? Are you tired of searching in this life? Have you been looking in all the wrong places? Jesus is saying to you today, come all. Come. Come to me. And I will give you a real rest. I'll give you a real rest. You know what the special thing about our faith that separates us from other religions? Other religions say you got to do this and you got to do that and you got to go to this place and you got to keep this checklist to get your way to God. But no, Christianity, our faith says that we can't work to God. We can't find God. I can't find my keys on my best days, but God came down to me, right? He came down to me. How can I find God? I can't find God, but God found me. He found me. That's the gospel. It's that he who knew no sin became sin so that you and I might become the righteousness. It's that while we were still yet sinners, Christ died for us. He died for you and he died for me. And he's looking at us today and saying, come all who are weary, come all who are heavy burdened, and I will give you a real rest. I'll give you a rest that this world has never seen before. I'll give you a real rest. Jesus is the point of life. He's the point of it all. He's the point of it all. You might be asking... But what about all these other things? Let's go back and remember King Solomon. It's all vain. It's all empty. What is the profit of man to gain the whole world, yet forfeit his soul? It's God's desire that all men would come to know him. I know this. He'll never leave us nor forsake us. He's with us. He's not distant. He's near. He sees you. He knows you. He loves you. He gave his life for you. He's everything that we've been looking for. He's everything that we need. He's everything that we want. He's the great I am. He's the great I am. Would you bow your head close your eyes? In this moment... You may be thinking to yourself, I've been on this search. I've been looking in all the wrong places. I'm trying to find the meaning of life. I'm trying to find the purpose in life. I'm trying to find value. I'm trying to find God. Where can I find God? I want to invite you to follow Jesus right now. So at the count of three, I'm asking that you raise your hand. And the reason why I'm asking you to raise your hand because I believe when you respond on the outside to what's happening on the inside, it just becomes more real to you. So on the count of three, if that's you, would you raise your hand? One, two, three. Raise your hand if that's you. Amen. Amen. I see you. Amen. Keep it raised. Amen. 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 God, thank you for these hands that are lifted. God, is them taking the step and saying that they want to put their faith in you. They're tired of this search. We know that in you, we find true rest in you, we find real rest in you, we find salvation. We find find freedom from the ways of this life. I pray for these individuals that they have their hand in the air right now. I pray that Jesus, that you become real to them. You have spoken, you are calling them, you see them, you love them, you know them. I pray as a church that we will rally around them, that we'll welcome into your family that we will show them the ways of you That we will teach them to follow you. And right now I pray for the church. We are the called out ones, the ones set apart. I pray that the way that we live our lives is different. We don't pursue these things in life. We don't put our value, we don't find meaning and purpose in the things of this world because it's all fleeting, it's all fading. But we trust in you. We trust in you. We put our faith in you. You're the only thing that satisfies. You're the only thing that can complete us. You are the great I am. You are the good shepherd. You are the way, the truth, and the life. You are the light of the world. Light up our lives, Jesus. Thank you. We ask this in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen.